Hey guys, welcome to the seventh episode of the Chatty Fox Conversations with the 20 something with me, Melissa, a 20 something. Thank you guys for tuning in again to listen to another episode. Today is going to be a jam packed one. I have a lot to talk about, but if you're not following the podcast, Instagram, or Twitter at the Chatty Fox Pod, then you don't know what I'm going to be talking about, but just let me tell you, I'm going to be talking about traveling in your 20s. I wanted to just talk about my experiences traveling in my 20s, why I think they contributed to like my personal growth. Uh, they really changed me as a person. They gave me great experiences and I just want to talk about them, why I'm grateful that I did these trips and just give some tips on maybe how to travel on a budget because I know in your 20s that's like a big thing traveling on a budget we're all poor here we're, we're all trying to get that dream job but like we're going to school or we have families or this and that and we just can't be spending thousands of dollars on plane tickets so I can just give a little tips on how I manage to get around on a budget so if you're interested in that stay tuned and before I actually start the wine segment, I do want to just give a little a little disclaimer or just explain myself, I guess. I released an episode like two weeks ago, uh, my birthday episode about me entering my late 20s. If you haven't heard that episode, it's episode five. Oh no, episode four. And it's about me. It's my birthday episode, me 20, turning 26. And I it is called... The Chatty Fox enters her late 20s. And I've heard a lot of people come up to me and be like, hey, Melissa, like your late 20s starts when you're 27, not when you're 26. And I've heard that from a couple of people. And I just, I don't, I don't know if it's just me, but I don't understand that. I don't understand how 27 is the start of your late 20s because let me just explain why I, why I consider 26 the start of your late 20s. I don't know. Let me, let me just strap on my statistics brain. I literally just finished my stats midterm right now. So I'm still thinking about, you know, distributions of data numbers and mean, median, all that shit. So if you look at your years in your 20s, you can call that a data set of numbers or whatever. It's year 20 to 29. And obviously there's no like actual like you can't split them evenly in those years, but if you actually split it in the middle, aka the mean or median, it's 24.5. So if you're being specific, your mid-20 point, like your the point of your mid-20s is that when you're 24 and a half. So obviously the way I thought about it is like, oh, you know, give or take six months um, would be 24, age 24 or age 25. So that's why I considered age 24 and age 25 as your mid-20s and honestly if you look at it like that like your 20s are divided evenly like look you're 20 21 22 23 that's four years in your early 20s and then 24 25 is your mid-20s you know 25 is when you're able to rent a car i mean that's a milestone in your mid-20s um and then year 26 27 28 and 29 are your late 20s that's four years so four years in your early 20s four years in your late 20s and two in your mid 20s i mean i don't know that's how i thought about it i mean 26 you're literally starting that 
late 20s off without health insurance. I mean, I don't know about you, but I lost my health insurance right on my birthday. So that's how I kind of saw it. I don't know if I'm wrong. Tell me in the Instagram. But I just wanted to tell you why I thought 26 was your late 20s. Anyway, that's just a little note on that episode. So without further ado, let's start today's episode. Let's start the wine segment first. Ooh, that one was a good one. So let's go off the vine and introduce the wine pairing for today's episode. And it's called Chateau Buisson. No, Buisson. Chateau Buisson Redon. <laughs> French, very French. I got it at Bethmo for 15 bucks. However, it was technically like $7.50 because... I got it with that deal where if you buy one, you get the second one for five cents. And you can mix and match bottles. It doesn't have to be the same one. So if you're interested in this specific one, you can get it at BevMo for technically $7.50. And when I posted the wine sneak peek picture on the podcast Instagram, I posted a picture of the bottle next to a decanter with the wine inside. And I did that because the way the decanter is shaped it maximizes the scent and the flavor of the wine by making sure that it like it aerates 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 is that the right word <laughs> aerates correctly and there's more oxygen oxygen in it i chose this wine because today we're going to talk about or we're going to chat about traveling so i thought you know what why not why not travel to another part of the world who makes wine so I was like, I'm going to pick a French one uh, because the last foreign one we tried was Spanish. So I was like, let's do a French one now. It is also 14.5%, just like the one from my last episode. So I already know I'm going to have a good time today. <laughs> okay, so sorry, the everything on the bottles in French. So, um, oh no, wait, there's some English on here. So it says it's a blend of 60% Merlot and 40% Cabernet Franc. Um, well, I wonder what the difference is between that and Cabernet Sauvignon. But And it says fruity, fruity nose and elegant soft tannins that will complement a charcuterie or cheese course as well as pork and beef. Bordeaux is the city in France. So when a wine is called a Bordeaux, it's because it's from France. Kind of like when they call Champagne Champagne, it's because it's from Champagne, France. So Bordeaux's not the wine, it's where it's grown. But this wine was grown in Bordeaux, but it's a blend of Merlot and Cabernet Franc. Okay, so I just took a sip of it, and it was actually surprisingly smooth. Like, I know the bottle says smooth tannins, but right when I drank it, it like just smoothly went around my tongue, like literally all parts of my tongue. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but it just, it tasted really good. It tastes, it's very soft and it, it is tannic. So my cheeks did pucker right when I tasted it. And I do taste a little bit of berries, but I'm not sure if it's like blueberry or raspberry it's really hard honestly tasting notes is really hard but i do see the fruity notes in it 
and it smells really good. I give it an 8 out of 10. I really like this one and if you are not really into like dry bold wine but you want to ease your way into it and you're interested I think this one would be a good starter because it's not like bold and bitter like a Cabernet Sauvignon since it's a blend it's a I feel like the blend makes it a little more smooth and just easier to drink honestly Bethmo should just sponsor me at this point okay so right on to today's wine lesson um, I'm gonna try to be quick and brief just because I don't want it to be too long I, I know not a lot of people are into wine but I feel like today's wine lesson is very basic and relevant and I feel like even if you're just slightly interested or even if you just occasionally drink it and you're not that serious about it I feel like today's lesson is still important because I'm gonna be talking about basic tips on food and wine pairings so before I start, I just want to give credit where credit is due. I got all this information from either the book, Big Macs and Burgundy, or from the Wine CEO podcast. Okay, so before you even think about pairing food and wine, just remember that if you just, if you like the combination and it's not necessarily like something that's considered perfect pairing, just eat it like that's what makes wine fun to me it's whatever you like and it's whatever flavors that you like together with it like don't take what i'm saying as bible but if you like it together just eat it and this is just me practicing like what they say supposedly is a great pairing and me trying it out myself and me thinking like oh yeah i agree with it or no i don't agree with it but the number one rule or not rule, I guess like a guideline that I learned from the wine CEO is if it grows together, then it goes together. And what that means is if the wine is grown in a specific area, then food from that same area would make a perfect pairing for it. Because I mean, obviously the winemakers that grow wine in this area are taking into account the food that they eat there. So for example, if a wine is grown at a coastal town, then seafood is probably going to be really good with that wine because if it's a coastal town, they probably eat a lot of seafood. And another example is if you're eating Italian food, then an Italian wine would probably be good with that food. So you can use that kind of guideline if you're like a beginner or you really don't know what kind of wine to get with your dinner. You can just use that basic guideline next thing that you can think about is the type of wine pairing that you want so there's either a congruent wine pairing or contrasting and congruent means that if you want the flavors to be similar and just you know be one great flavor so for example a chardonnay is very full and very buttery like it has a buttery type of texture and you compare it with buttery popcorn and I've tried that before at AMC like a couple weeks ago I went to go see Batman and I literally got oh no wait I didn't see Batman what movie did I see oh I saw licorice pizza by the way it was a good movie I kind of felt weird about it like I didn't know if I really liked it or if I 
didn't like it, but I kind of liked it because the music was good and the acting was, I don't know, but it was a good movie experience. But anyway, when I went to watch it, I got a glass of Chardonnay with buttered popcorn. And it just, it tasted really good, honestly. Like, when you put the popcorn in your mouth with the Chardonnay, like, it's like if it adds more butter to it, if that makes sense. So, oh, sorry, I got a text. Um, so yeah, that's con- that's a congruent pairing. But if you want a contrasting pairing, like in a way where the food and the wine creates like a contrasting flavor, but it's very complex and balanced, then an example of that would be any honestly anything in my opinion with champagne or like sparkling wine, because the bubbles in the wine really cut through any flavor. So for example, if you were to pair champagne with like spicy food or like greasy fried chicken, like it'll just cut through that flavor. I don't know how else to explain it, but obviously champagne is very bubbly and carbonated and it just erases that flavor. But in a way where like you can still taste the food if that makes sense, that that's what contrasting is. Honestly, I just think of it with sparkling champagne or sparkling wine. Just pairs well with anything. Okay, so now that you know the types of pairings and you can choose which one you want, now think about the type of food that you have. So what are the dominant components or the taste of the food? Is it buttery and creamy or is it spicy For example, if you have like a buttery, creamy chicken alfredo, then you would probably want a dense, buttery, full-bodied wine to go with it. Or if your food is more spicy and full of kick and a lot of different spices together, not necessarily hot, but like spicy like marsala, then you would probably want a wine that either complements that or contrasts that. So you have to think about like the ingredients that you put in your food. And you have to think about the intensity of the food. Is it light like a salmon or a salad? Or is it heavy like pasta or steak? Because that you can use that to like pair with wine. If it's light, you can do light body wine. Or if it's heavy, you can do a heavy bodied wine. So to end this off, I want to give my personal recommendations. So as I mentioned before, Chardonnay is very dense and buttery and full. And I personally like it with a buttery chicken alfredo. Because chicken alfredo pasta is just, dude, it's bomb. It's one of my favorite pastas. I always think about chicken alfredo from Olive Garden. (laughs) I love chicken alfredo so much. I just love their cheeses that they put in there. And their sauce is very buttery, which is why I think a Chardonnay would just pair very well with it. And I personally like it. Also with popcorn, like I mentioned earlier, if you're ever at the movies and you just want to get a quick wine with some snacks, you can do a Chardonnay and a popcorn. I also like Baella with a sparkling or flat rosé. And... I posted on my Instagram on Valentine's Day that my boyfriend and I made paella from Spain. So I was like, okay, maybe a Spanish wine, obviously, to pair with it. But I knew that spicy food needed like a lighter wine. 
and I got I chose a rosé because I love rosé and I was like okay maybe it has to be a little sweet and a lot of sparkling rosés that I found were sweet so I chose that and it was honestly really good I still tasted the spiciness in the paella but I also tasted the sweetness of the wine as well like none of them overpowered the other so I recommend that or just any spicy dish honestly and then going on to my next pairing I also really like spicy like pad thai noodles chicken with off-dry riesling again because off-dry sweet so i say this because i went to din tai fung one time and i got their spicy noodles and i paired it with a sparkling sweet wine but i feel like it would have also been great with an off-dry riesling like a flat wine it was really good, honestly. Their, their noodles were so good. I want to go to Jin Tai Fung again. And last but not least, of course, the OG pairing, Cabernet with a steak. I just went on a dinner date to Ruth's Chris, and I got their steak with their Cabernet Sauvignon. And oh, chef's kiss. Like, it was just so good. Ruth's Chris's steak is pretty good. I mean, it's not like low-end, but it's not high-end. I recommend it if you're just choosing to go on a nice date with like a partner or to take out your parents. It's a really cute restaurant and their steaks are really good in my opinion. And it just, they have this um, option in their menu where you can get a steak with a glass of any wine that they recommend that goes with it. Again, OG, I recommend any steak or just juicy meat with a dry Cabernet or even a dry Syrah would probably work like the wine from last week. The Chronic Cellars Petit Syrah would probably work really well as well. And to wrap this up, the Somalia that I listened to gave a really great like tip for anyone who just really is lost and doesn't know what to pair with their food. When in doubt, choose bubbles. Just get sparkling anything, because like I said earlier, the, carb the carbonation and the bubbles just cuts through any flavors, but in a way where it like just blends in perfectly, where you can still taste both flavors. So honestly, if, you just, if you're just really confused and you just want a quick wine for your dinner, then I recommend any sparkling wine of your choice. Wow, thank you for staying through this whole wine lesson. I hope that you learned a couple of things. I hope that now you're more informed. And if you try any of these pairings, honestly, let me know. I would love to see if you tried any of these or if you like any of these or dislike or maybe even if you know of one that I haven't mentioned or if you personally like any pairing that's not typical of what I just talked about, I would love to find out as well. So if you have anything to share with me, share at the Instagram at the Chatty Fox Pod. So without further ado, let's take a little wine break and we'll be right back. Okay, we're back and like I mentioned before, today I'm going to be chatting about traveling in your 20s. Why I think it's important to travel in your 20s, 
my personal traveling experiences like very brief to share like my favorite parts of those trips why i think they contributed to my personal growth and then i'll just end off with like some tips that i used to travel on a budget or to make traveling easier or if you're you never traveled before and you're just lost on where to start i can give a little insight on that as well first of all why do i think traveling in your 20s is important i mean i think it's important because you can really learn a lot about yourself early on before you get serious about anything before you get older before you settle down before you have kids unless obviously you had kids before you can still learn more about yourself i believe because i feel like in our 20s like we're still growing mentally physically obviously but also just like with experience things that we go through like you're still learning things every day and traveling early on will really help you see those things early on and I read somewhere, um, I forgot where, but they said that 20s is the time to explore and to connect before life gets really serious. And I felt like obviously that was like very cookie cutter of them to say that because sometimes life gets serious with for other people before their 20s or early in their 20s. But I honestly do agree with that in some aspect because... It is a time to explore. You can also find out like if you even like traveling at all. Maybe you haven't traveled to another country, but you've traveled domestically and you just don't know if traveling to another country is like your thing and you can find out by doing it. Or like you don't even know if you're a city person or a rural person unless you've traveled there for a while. Or like if you even like traveling to hot or cold climate areas. Like, I've traveled to mostly cold climate areas, actually. So I'm actually excited that this year I'm going to be traveling to Cancun for the first time. So I'm looking forward to that because I have actually haven't traveled to a lot of hot tropical climate areas yet. Probably because they're more on the pricey side, obviously. And I've chosen to do cheap <laughs> traveling yeah that's another option or you can even find out if you like as a traveler let's say you do like traveling if you like camping hiking nature type of traveling or if you like food and city and touring type of traveling like there's so many different types of travels and you can find this out early on so then you can either keep traveling like that or not keep traveling like that and I feel like that's an important thing to know about yourself early because let's say you get together with someone and you're dating them and they like traveling naturey hiking but then you don't you like traveling foodie style and city girl style that's obviously not gonna mesh well so and lastly of course i think it's important to travel at any age honestly to just explore other cultures and other people, other traditions, other foods, and art. Like there's more than just the culture that you're living in. And I just think it's really interesting to connect with other people that you don't know, learn other languages, try to communicate with them. It just 
and really enriches your mind and opens your mind to just other ways of living. Okay, so my first trip that I want to talk about necessarily wasn't in my 20s, but I still want to include it because it was very culture shocky. And actually, disclaimer, I've been to Mexico a lot of times with my family when I was smaller. And that the culture shock thing was probably when I was little and I don't remember. So to me, going to Mexico is like a trip to visit family and stuff. So the trips I'm going to talk about is like going to a place where I don't know the language or the people or the customs, anything. So this first trip I'm going to talk about is my first trip to Europe with my high school so i was 18 at the time and i went to barcelona spain and paris france overall i love that trip because it made me realize that i love trying new foods and just trying to learn the language i was trying to learn france french <laughs> france french i was trying to learn french to get around so i obviously would look for people who spoke english but i would still try my best to talk to them in french i actually in one of the experiences that i always remember i was trying to buy this i forgot i think it was soap i was trying to buy soap from a small business from this lady who didn't know how to speak english at all and i loved that experience because she was so nice about it and it like made me honestly try to communicate with her. I used Google Translate and we you know we used hand motions. And she, honestly, I think what made it really fun and nice was that she was just nice about it. And she honestly tried her best as well. I tried my best as well. And we made a sell. I bought soap from her and she actually was nice enough to give us a little sample of another one. And that was like a cute little experience. Like she was honestly really nice. And that's what made me realize that I just love trying to communicate with people from other countries, whether I learn or I know their language or not. And I also tried different foods. I tried escargot, aka snails. And I remember it being really good. I have a picture of it. Maybe I'll post it. I don't know. I'm I'm 18, so I look I look pretty different. <laughs> so that was my first experience. My second major experience was my study abroad experience and i'll probably go more into it in a different episode about studying abroad but i mentioned it before that i went to india to study abroad for five weeks and that's a very different study abroad experience that i envisioned because you know i feel like i thought about people studying abroad like going to parts of europe like Paris or Italy or I know someone who went to Greece or Spain and you know their their experiences are like the same I think about like the Lizzie McGuire movie when she went to like Italy and that that type of experience studying abroad you know they still had fun obviously it looked fun they had classes and an actual school but my experience was very different obviously first of all it was a very different country it was in India, and I went to different parts of India. So I went to the city in New Delhi. I also went to southern India. I went to I also went to a rural village, and then I worked my way up to northern India to Dharamsala, where the Dalai Lama 
was at, and we actually got to meet the Dalai Lama. So honestly, that experience was very eye-opening, very enriching in learning about other cultures. I was there for five weeks, like I said, so I saw different parts of India. I met a lot of people both at India and the people that I traveled with. They were all just very interesting. They all knew how to travel. And obviously I did get culture shock there eating their food and just like their customs. I So we started off, I guess they wanted to ease us in. We started off in the city in New Delhi at like a Sheraton hotel and dude it was like posh, very bougie. But then from there we went to the rural village of India. So we slept on the floor on mattresses with insect nets, like the nets to keep the insects out because there's so many insects and mosquitoes. I forgot to mention, but they eat with their hands over there, like, and not just like here with like burgers or tacos, but like everything, like, like saucy foods, rice, everything is with their hands and even on a banana leaf. So of course, I got to do that and experience that together with them. And that was just a very rewarding experience. And I knew like their customs in the rural village that are different than here. Their traditional viewpoints of gender and schools and health. And it was just very eye-opening and enriching as well. And I felt like it really made me realize what I value and why I want to help people, not just help people, but why I want to connect with people in general. Because, you know, I learned through this experience that, like, not everyone wants help. But there's people who just want understanding, connections with other people. And they just want to share their customs with you. And then lastly, my second trip was to Europe again. But I went to three different countries. I went to Oslo, Norway. I went then from there I went to London. And then from there I went to Berlin, Germany. And this trip I planned by myself. Like this was my first not solo trip but one trip with no like school, no program. Like I planned it myself. And I really liked this trip a lot because obviously I was able to choose what I wanted to do. I made my own itinerary. I went to the museums or exhibits that I wanted to go to, to the stores and restaurants that I wanted to go to. And although I went with the group, this was actually my first time not only going or planning it on my own, but going with a group of people. And on top of that, I didn't know half of the people going so it was something that I had to navigate, but honestly, I wouldn't take it back. It was a great experience. I met new people. I experienced the nightlife in a different country. I chose what I wanted to do. I ate all the food I loved. I also had an experience of missing my flight. That was the first time I actually experienced that. And it was tough, so I obviously had to figure out how to work my way around that. But other than that, it was a great trip. And I felt like it really changed me because now I know what to expect. Now I know how much things cost to travel on my own. And now I know 
like the type of itinerary itinerary would work in a group versus personally because I also drifted apart from the group at times because I was like everyone wants to do something different and that's also how you know like who's good at traveling with and who's not or who is compatible to travel with with you if that makes sense like for example when we went to London that was actually when we missed our flight so we ended up having to only have one night in London like I think we exactly only had 24 hours in London so I was like, okay, well, we got to maximize our time. Let's just go to the major touristy spots here. And then obviously at night, we, we wanted to still go out. So we we're like, let's just do that whole no sleep. Like that Lady Gaga meme, meme when she was like, no sleep, club, another club, another club, plane, another club. Like that's how literally we were at because I was like, there's no time. Like there, we only have 24 hours here. And honestly, honestly, that was an experience, but that also led to me having to go through airport security hungover. Actually, I, I think I wouldn't say I was hungover. I was actually still drunk because we literally went from the club straight to our room just to pack and then leave to the airport. Like we didn't even sleep. We literally went straight to the airport from being at the club so we were drunk and i i i'm i swear i feel like i felt my point from going to drunk to hungover during security like dude this experience was so bad i remember being so hungover or like drunk or whatever i was just tired and i was going through security and this was in london because we were going to berlin and dude they're like the British people at the airport are no joke. They're fucking mean. They, they, I remember they kept some of my things because they were like, you can't fly with this. And I was like, how fucking dare you? I just want to sleep. So I do not recommend being drunk or hungover and going to the airport. It's not fun. Not fun. But like I said, it was an experience and it taught me lessons, which is why I'm tying it around and saying that these trips really taught me lessons and made me learn about myself and what I would do next time when I travel, what I don't like. Now I know I don't want to get a flight at 3 a.m. because <laughs> that's torture unless I don't plan to go out that night. Now you know my experiences in a nutshell. If you want to learn more about each experience, maybe I'll make a story time because there's just so much that happened, but they all taught me different things in different parts of my life because the first Europe trip I was in I was 18 but the other trips I was in my early 20s I was 22 23 years old and not only am I more prepared for situations like missing your flight but now I know that I'm into the foodie culture I'm a foodie girl I love tasting different foods seeing the culture talking to people Okay, so now that you kind of briefly know about my past experiences and what I learned from them or what I feel enlightened me from them, let let me just say a couple tips or what I think you should do or what I think is best to do if you want to start traveling in your 20s. And first, you should consider your priorities. 
like obviously I don't want to be like hey you should travel like book a trip right now when you don't have money or you have a family like obviously that's not realistic so you should first and foremost think about your priorities now and obviously like you also have to consider like the time off you have or if you're in school and just plan around that so I'm not saying take a trip now if you can't but definitely if you want to do it eventually you can save up money for it or like save time for it maybe ask for that time off in advance like way in advance even if you don't have it planned or if you have a family maybe you can plan like a weekend getaway maybe it doesn't have to be a week like I I haven't taken a week vacation in years and you can still do a lot in like four days or three day weekend. Obviously, they won't be international, but there's still a lot to see domestically as well. And then uh, you also have to think about what do you want to discover about yourself? Do you want to discover yourself in a new country? Do you want to see more of the country that you're living in? Or do you just want to see how or like what foods you like from other places, how you are in road trips, or if you like national parks, like you want to see if that's your thing. Try to figure out what kind of traveling you want to do or what interests you. Like, for example, if you're not a hiking person, then don't travel to a mount, like a, I don't know, what's a good hiking place? Like Yosemite, or like if you're planning that trip to Everest, like obviously that's not what you're going to want to do if you don't like hiking but if you are a hiking person then maybe you can look into traveling to different national parks or maybe you do want to tackle that mount everest hike or if you like beaches like me for example i'm barely going to cancun this year maybe you can save up for a cancun trip or if you want to see beaches in the atlantic ocean like the east coast and you live in the west coast you can plan for that as well. So what tips do I have? I have a lot actually because, you know, I don't have a good paying job, but I love traveling. So I try to find my way around that because I feel like I prioritize traveling. I want to go places. I want to see things before I die. I don't know if that's a weird way to think about it, but it's true. Like, I don't know for sure that I'm gonna be alive tomorrow. And I want to be able to say that I've done something or I've been to a certain place in my lifetime. I want to experience that. What I'm trying to say is that I value traveling and I try to set time for that. Even if it's a little stretch, I feel like it will be worth it, if that makes sense. So the first tip I would say is to first and foremost, obviously save from your paycheck. Like I said, I prioritize it. So every time I get paid, I do put money aside for it, even if I don't have anything planned. So you can do that. And then once you have a planned trip, you can see how much you saved and then work your way from there. Another tip that I would say saves money is to get credit cards. I mean, I know that's a big commitment, but there's some credit cards from airlines that have really good deals. Like, for example, my boyfriend has a credit card from Southwest, and that's how we were able to go to Seattle for free because we had, or he had points, like, gathered up from different trips that he took because he went to 
I'm pretty sure it's because he went to UC Berkeley and obviously he flew home a few times and he gathered points from the same airline and thus his points gave him free trips. So that's one thing that you can look into. Like what places do you think you'll be going to if it's literally southwest of where you live in California, if you live in the California area, then you can invest in the Southwest credit card and that will just generate points over time and thus give you a free trip with points. And it doesn't even have to be Southwest. It can just be a regular credit card with cash back. Like for example, I have the Chase Freedom Flex card that gives me points with every purchase that I can use on travel. And if I purchase my travel stuff through Chase, with the card, I get even more points back from that purchase. So it's like a circle, like a loop. <laughs> it rewards you every time you buy stuff. And it's worth it because, or I think it's worth it if you like like to travel or you just want it. You're not even traveling. You can even use it on like restaurants. Like if you eat out a lot, you can get points from that too. And then you can get gift cards to restaurants. Honestly, just get a credit card with cash back or point value so you can use towards miles. Oh my god, I'm getting kind of drunk already. I don't even know what I'm saying, if it makes sense, but I love traveling. So I feel like whether you think this is worth it or not, or if you think this makes sense, I feel like it makes sense to me. So let me go on. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, so... Anyway, so my next point after um, credit cards and saving up money is to look into Airbnbs. I feel like Airbnbs are cheaper. And another reason why I think Airbnb is better than getting a hotel unless, unless you're into the hotel and resort type of travel, then yes, of course, go for that. But if you want to see other things in the city and other things in the country, different countries especially, get Airbnbs. So when I planned that third Europe trip on my own, I just got Airbnbs. Another thing why I think this is cool is because you get to meet different people this way. The Airbnb I got in Berlin, Germany, like was a private room. It wasn't like a like its own place. So we obviously stayed in the same place as a host. And I got this because one, it was cheaper, obviously. And two, because, why, what? what was the second option? Oh, because it was close to everything. Like, obviously it was expensive because it was close to everything, but the cheaper option was it, it had to be shared. But these people were really cool. Like we got to engage with them. They gave us recommendations. They let us use their kitchen. They were just nice people and we actually spoke to them, ate dinner with them once. Like that's another cool way to like engage with people if that's your thing. I understand if that's not your thing and you rather not get a private room. Like that's totally understandable. I probably wouldn't do that by myself. I think I felt more comfortable knowing that I was in a group to engage with other people, but if I was by myself, I mean, I don't know because it was it was worth it to save that money and get a private room in my opinion if that's like your priority to save money then that's then yeah like getting a shared room would be cheaper 
and just think about it as like oh you can spend money in other things and you don't have to talk to these people like i'm pretty sure they knew that you didn't have to but we did it because we were in a group and we felt more comfortable so that's another thing that you can think about but either way i think airbnbs are cheaper because hotels not only do they charge like charge their rate because they're close to things but also like you have to think about like the stuff that they offer some hotels don't have their kitchen that's more expensive because if you if you prioritize being close to touristy spots that hotels are like gravitating towards then yes get a hotel but if you like to be kind of like a local and take public transportation then you should look into airbnbs I feel like that would just be the cheaper option, especially if you're going with the group. You can just split the, split the cost. Another tip I would give is to look at packages in Expedia, maybe. Like, I don't know if there's other websites, but I looked in Expedia. I went to New York a few years ago with my family because my mom's always wanted to go. And I looked at packages because I was like, we're a group. And my parents are going they value comfort and i knew this straight on i was like they're not gonna want to do like a bunch of layovers or stay like lying down on the floor oh i didn't even mention that one of the the airbnbs in berlin we had to sleep on a mattress on the floor which i'm not sure if that was the reason why it was cheap and i'm not saying it was bad like i didn't care like i said that wasn't my priority like it was comfortable basically like it was the basic type of comfort to me my priority is to be close to things to get the experience and you know the blow-up mattresses that they offered were comfortable in my opinion i don't know like (laughs) i thought that was fine it's not like i was sleeping oh sorry (laughs) it's not like i was sleeping on the actual floor um but i knew my parents are not like that like my parents want an actual comfortable bed and a kitchen maybe so that's why i was like okay like that's where most of the price point is gonna go because new york is expensive um so that's why you get a package i feel like the package you're gonna save money on it and expedia like was pretty cheap i i think for the flights for round trip for one person not including the hotel um was less than 300 dollars. i think it was like two 30 to 50 because we went uh like we went in september and it was like i think it was worth it my mom liked it my parents had a good time and that's why i also said like you know a lot about people when you travel with them because if i travel with my family i know that they value comfort over that speaking of comfortability another tip i have is to like kind of like adjust your flights to get them cheaper and what i mean by that is like obviously flights with layovers are cheaper red eye red eye flights tend to be cheaper so kind of think about it like do would you not mind going straight to the airport after work or waking up super early or taking a red eye flight and then getting to your destination in the morning Or do you mind which airline to take because some are obviously more expensive? So let me give you my experience on this. So when I took my third Europe trip, 
I didn't mention this before, but I chose the spirit version of the Norwegian Airlines. So I think it was called Nor I think it was literally called Norwegian Air, but it was literally like Spirit Airlines. However, it was cheap and it got me there. And I mean I don't remember the uncomfortability I had on there, but I do remember the experiences in Europe. So just a just some three cents from me. I spent six hundred bucks round trip ticket to Norway. So if you really want to, you can. Like I said, I oh sorry. It all comes down to like what you're willing to sacrifice. And back to like when I mentioned the layovers and the red eye. So I'm okay with one layover. So I tend to choose like those if they're significantly cheaper. And I also tend to get red eye flights because I don't mind going straight to the airport after work and, you know, taking my sleep on the plane. So when I get to my destination, it's daytime and I can just get up and go out. So, I mean, obviously not everyone's like that. And I totally get it because especially if you're going international, maybe you don't want the spirit version. Um, so just maybe that's just another tip just in case if you're willing to sacrifice that those tend to be cheaper. And my last budget type of tip is to pack lightly if, I mean, if you're able to, obviously. And what I mean by that is like, so I don't pay for a checked bag. Like there's, <laughs> there's no way you're going to see me give the airport people more money to take my bag. Cause one, they might lose it. And two, it's just unnecessary extra money. I can use that for a margarita or a glass of wine at the airport. Um, so I tend to fit everything that I can in my carry-on. And so far that's worked for me. I can fit like about a week's worth of clothes in a carry-on. I've gotten that good. And it's all thanks to packing cubes and rolling your clothes and using every space, like even inside your shoes. I put my lotions, my face creams in my shoes. Um, obviously, this is not as convenient for everyone, but it's something that I've tried to manage just so I don't have to pay that. However, you know, Southwest, I just found out like you can check bags for free. So that's pretty cool. But other times they charge you a lot. So, I mean, that's one way you can save money if you're willing to do that. Uh, when I went to my third Europe trip, I went with my partner at the time and only one of us checked a bag so we can have that little extra room but not too much. We did want to bring some souvenirs back so I still tried to just focus on my carry-on. And another tip too is that I use a backpack as a personal item so that just adds even more space. I don't take my purse out like my personal item. I put my purse in my carry-on and use my backpack as a personal item so I can fit more stuff in there. So that's just a tip that, you know, I've I, it's worked for me. I mean, if you are willing to just, you know, minimalize the way that you travel, because obviously this means that you have to really mix and match your clothes or maybe only take like one or two pairs of shoes. So if you're into that, if you're okay with that, then I suggest doing this because it really helps a lot. But I understand if that's not your thing, if you want to take cool, cute, Instagram pictures with different outfits, you do your thing. But that's just my personal tip that's worked for me to save money. So overall, I hope that that 
made it a little easier to picture yourself traveling even on a budget and made you realize why I think it's important or why I think it's worth trying even if you are not sure if you want to take that plunge financially. Uh, like I said, you can do quick weekend getaways domestically as well and just go somewhere even if it's like three hours away. I'm going to San Diego next week and that's a three-hour trip but I'm gonna do it because I want to get out of here. I want to experience something different for once so (laughs) away from your daily routine. So I feel like that's also important for your mental health. To end this episode, I want to just say that Traveling in your 20s is good for not only your personal growth, but for your mental health. Like, you you can't be stuck in your daily routine. Like, that's not what life is meant to be. Honestly, like, it may sound cliche. I know there's probably people rolling their eyes, but I really do feel like traveling changed me. And I don't regret the experiences I had. Like, I would rather spend money on those trips than on material things. Material things are not like something that you will always remember, but you'll always remember experiences that you took. Just like I've always, I'll always remember and cherish the experiences that I've had traveling because like I said, nothing is promised. Tomorrow is not promised. And I know it sounds cliche, but I do not regret the impulse buys that I did of flights. So if you want to make an impulse buy, do it. I'm here to support you. Honestly, cheers, do it. Press that button. Press the checkout button. You should buy that ticket. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope that you now feel a little more inspired to take that trip that you want to take. And I hope my tips that I gave you will make it a little easier for you to take that leap even if it's just a weekend getaway honestly i think it'll be worth it and you won't regret it and it's an experience that you'll take along with you through the rest of your life so if you enjoyed today's episode or my podcast in general uh, leave a five-star review on spotify or apple Podcasts. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm going to San Diego for the weekend. So with that going on, on top of school, I probably won't have a new episode next week. So I, yeah, I probably, I won't have a new episode next week. However, I'm going to San Diego because I'm going to be recording my first episode with a guest. Yes, this guest agreed to record an episode with me. So I'm so excited and trust me the wait will be worth it i won't say who the guest is yet but i'll introduce this person a couple days before i release the episode in two weeks so if you want to find out who it is don't forget to follow the instagram at the chatty fox pod thank you and i'll see you next time bye